Marriage on a Tightrope supports couples in strengthening their mixed-faith marriage. Visit tightropemarriage.org to make a recurring donation and learn more about the mixed-faith community. Hello and welcome to Marriage on a Tightrope. Uh, This week we are going to air the interview that we did a few weeks ago with John Larson. To be more specific, John Larson interviewed us on the Sunstone podcast and they gave us permission to air it on our feed as well. So go check out the Sunstone podcast. It is fantastic with John Larson. If that name sounds familiar to some of you out there, uh, John Larson also hosted the Mormon Expressions podcast back in the day. Uh, He was a big... Uh, a big deal for me uh, in the podcast space uh, back a few years ago. So having the opportunity to meet with him and sit down with him was was a bigger deal for me than it was for Katie, but we really enjoyed it. Uh, for those that have heard our first episode, which kind of tells the timeline story, and then our episode with This Week in Mormons, that interview, there will be some overlap here as we uh, talk about some of the same things about our our story. But there are some things that we get into that... Uh, Because John is a great interviewer, uh, we get into a few things that we've never talked about before. So we hope you listen to it and enjoy. And before we get there, we just want to plug our Facebook and Instagram accounts, Marriage on a Tightrope. Uh, The Facebook group is is starting to be a lot more active, which is great. So join us there and enjoy some conversation. On Instagram, you can enjoy some pretty pictures. I'm not trying to be condescending, but it came off that way. Thank you and enjoy the episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Sunstone Podcast. I'm your host, John Larson, and we're here in the fabulous uh, Sunstone Studios. We, we're, 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 we're coming along. It's it's getting closer to being it's the done. the best I've seen the building. Uh, have you ever been here before? Nope. Oh. <laughs> the, the, um, we're in the Sunstone offices, which are at uh, 343... North 300 West in Salt Lake City. We're just north of West High School in, in the Marmalade District, this was called. I looked up why, and used, they said they used to grow marmalade trees here, and I thought, eh, I don't think that's possible, but that's what they say. So um, we're, we're here in this, this old house that Sunstone's been in for, uh, I don't know, 20 years, maybe more, and uh, we've been cleaning it out and refurbishing it. We're going to have an open house here in a couple of months and, and let anybody who wants to come in. But thanks so much for joining me. We've got the, the, the back bedroom here that we've turned, we're turning into a studio. <laughs> and I have two celebrities. <laughs> Hardly. Um, um, I have Alan and, and, and Katie. Right? And, That's right. And you guys are podcasters. We are the mounts. So tell us all the name of your podcast and let's put out the, the link to it first. Okay, our um, our podcast is called Marriage on a Tightrope, and you can find us um, on Instagram at Marriage on a Tightrope, or you can email us at Marriage on a Tightrope at gmail.com. It's a but, great name, by the way. I, thank you. That is Katie's. Okay, you're the one who named it. And, I did. And you guys tell me this was your idea. Yeah, it was my idea. Um, I think that there are not enough resources for people in our position. And one time I asked a leader if um, there was anyone I could talk to when we were going through this, and he said there was no one. And I thought two things. One, either a lot of people are lying to you, or two, they just don't feel comfortable enough to out themselves and talk about these issues. So I asked Alan if we should start a podcast, and he like jumped at it. And I didn't expect that. And so, like, just within a week, we were 
recording. What well, situation? What, 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 yeah, what? We jumped, we jumped the gun a bit. So, no. so the, the situation is that you guys are in what we call a mixed faith marriage. That's right. right. I, don't, I don't know if that's a good term. Yeah. What, what would you call it, John? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to work on um, uh, that we all are less divided. But I, I, guess, I guess maybe I'll refine it. I like that. Mixed. It's not like, because uh, we use terms like X and anti and blah, 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 blah. But you guys are just trying to make things work. We're a, we're a blended marriage, maybe? Well, let's Mi- be clear. Blended blended marriage. Marriage. If you're around anybody long enough uh, you're, that you're married to, you're going to discover you're in a mixed faith marriage on something. On something. Right? You know, so true. At, at some point, they're going to say something. You're going to be like, wait, what? I, th- <laughs> I thought we knew each other. Well, well, yes, it's, it, it is a, a service that's absolutely needed. And um, over the years, I've had a lot of opportunity to talk to different folks in the situation you're in. And it can be heartbreaking. But it can also be um, fantastic, um, and and I've met some really amazing people in mixed faith marriages. And Alan, I'm sorry, but all the amazing people I've met in mixed faith marriages have always been on Katie your side, on the church side. Oh, geez, <laughs> uh, just no to, pressure. Just to put the, the pressure on. So you guys, um, um, Alan, you went through a faith crisis. I did. This was uh, about what two two years? How long? Ago? Yeah, I mean, I, I, the the depths of the crisis were the beginning of 2017, the first half of 2017. Uh, it, it dates back a little bit. Some of the cracks. Um, appeared in about 2014. Um, in, in August of 2013, my father was, uh, struck and killed by a drunk driver. Oh, I'm so sorry. And thank you. And, um, that, that experience happened right as I was called to be elders quorum president. Literally the last text I got from my dad was, was, uh, son, I'm so proud of you. You're going to be the greatest and you're grabbing onto the rock. That was his term for, for you, you're figuring this out. What a gift that that was the last that was the last thing. thing. And I've got a new phone. I didn't save the text, but I've got it up here. It's right. in my head. It's okay. And so, talking with family over the the few months after that, uh, it really felt very final that he was gone. So that was a little bit of a crack there. And seeing how the ward operates, and this is not a fair conclusion to make, but at the time, it really combined with with the feelings I had about my father. It, it really looked like, hey, these are a lot of good people that are trying to do right by the, for the people that they're serving. I don't see a lot of divinity in this. So that's kind of, it set up the table for when I learned a, a couple of things uh, from the gospel topic essays about six months after that. So virtually everybody, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Everybody who's part of any faith tradition is going to have doubts from time to time. So what is it that that pushed you kind of over the edge? Well, I think uh, maybe my, my soul was, was injured when I got into the gospel topics essays. And a few of the things that I learned in there were, were surprising, shocking enough to kind of make me take a step back and, and say, wait a minute. And I came out of my, uh, of our office and walked into the living room and told Katie, did you know this, 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 and this? And um, just kind of threw it out. And I was kind of in a daze. And and Katie, do you remember? You don't remember, but... I don't remember any of this. <laughs> but um, what she, her response was, if you ever leave the church, I'm leaving you. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, what had just happened like a month earlier. Yeah, I, just, I was sitting on the couch with a brand new baby. Like, <laughs> I was totally sleep deprived and... 
I don't know. I just don't even remember the whole exchange. Right. Had it ever crossed either of your mind that one of you might leave the church? Never, ever, ever. Before, no. before that moment, we were going to be, we met on the mission, actually. In the MTC, we met. So our, our and there, we have spiritual experiences that tie us together. Right. That we can get into if, if, if needed, right? But when, when Katie made that comment about, if you leave the church, I'm going to leave you, it, it rightfully so scared me. And mm-hmm. I was not willing to make, I wasn't willing for that to happen. I wasn't going to let that happen. But of course that didn't fix anything. No, but in my mind, I just said, I'm just putting this up on the shelf. I mean, that's not the words I used back then. I didn't have that vocabulary right. back then, but I said, I'm going to forget about this and we're just going to, I'm just going to double down and get back into my calling and focus on this. And so I did. Uh, I, I actually loved it. I still look back at my time as Elvis Corn president and absolutely loved it. And so you had, you had an infant who was number four. Yep. So, um, pretty busy at home. It was busy at home. Work was, was crazy. I had moved into a new position and that was all fun and games. But what happened over the next couple of years was I started experiencing a lot of anxiety and some mild depression. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we both recognized that at the time as tied to my father, which I'm sure it certainly was. And at the same time, now looking back, it was this just being pushed down. That was a big part of it too. Well, and they're all tied together. I mean, our our, our mm-hmm. faith, our belief, is is just wound around everything so tight. I, I was talking to a friend the other day. I was using an example of um, ivy. If it if it grows around a tree, not you know, not like a building, it, ivy sends in like roots into the tree, and there comes a point where you can't really remove it anymore without killing the tree, right? Um, because they're just they just grow together, and. And I, I think what a lot of ex-Mormons struggle with, especially in the early phase, is that they, they, want, they want the pain to stop. So they want to extract Mormonism, mm-hmm. but, but it can't be done. Right. Not, not really. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a good little analogy. Yeah, it is. I want to get a painting and put it on my wall with an ivy around a tree. No, I, I want a vinyl sticker up above your family. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, well, I mean, just timeline wise over, over the next couple of years, the, the anxiety and the depression, they kind of died. It just went away. I don't know why, but it did. And I didn't make any effort really to, to do anything to heal. It just kind of, I, it just kind of went away. And then at the beginning of 2017, well, I don't remember why I don't remember. I remember where we were in our driveway in the car and I turned to Katie and said, you know, I think I'm ready to figure this church thing out. I really want to go and look into all this history stuff that I, uh, that I learned a few years ago. Uh, I think I'm going to do that. How was that? (laughs) (laughs) I was fine with it. I mean, I felt really at peace about it. And so I thought, well, if he's going to do that, it's going to all work out because what is it that he's going to find? So I didn't have any problems with it. Um, The problem that we talk about a lot and the biggest regret we have is that um, I wasn't along for the ride. Mm. He went and did it and he studied for six months about everything and didn't tell me anything until... uh, we were taking a car trip out to Georgia where his family lives 
And, um, I mean, you have three and a half days to talk in a car when you're trading off dry, driving. And that's when he first, like, told me about some of the stuff. And I was furious <laughs> because um, he was in a completely different place than where we were in the car. Let me just figure this out. And then um, he figured it out without me and without telling me his new opinions. I'm so, I'm so glad you articulated that because what, what tends to happen is people go down the rabbit hole because once you have the paradigm shift, you, you know, I, I think one of the keys of changing the view of whether the church is like all true or as, as a lot of ex-Mormons do all false. I mean, that, that's a, that's a false paradigm, right? Right. But, but, but that, that once you change that view, you have to go reprocess everything. So it often sends the, the, the investigator, the, the, the soon to be ex-Mormon down this where they're rereading everything. And of course, Mormon history is fascinating, yeah. especially when you take the gloves off. Because it's it's dirty and it's weird and it's fun yeah and 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 Katie you're expressing it right because there's this like this devil's choice here because I've seen people who beat their spouse up with it every night they're like do you know what I learned today do you know what those <laughs> bastards said this time and, yeah. and and that can be really painful but but you're expressing the 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 other pain which is this person's on this journey and you're you're shut out. Yeah, you're right. not you're not there, and and he's dumping this stuff on you. Like, hold on, I haven't had time to process it, so I don't mean to put words in your mouth. No, that's that's it, and it's. I mean, it was six months worth of study and and everything that he had done, and um, it was all just coming at me like darts, and so that was really hard for me, and that trip was really painful. That was a tough. That trip. was a very difficult. And trip. where do you go? During this, because I mean, you've got on, um, you probably hit some support groups, some online communities. Yeah, I actually had figured out that my brother was in the same position. Uh -huh. um, I'm the youngest of six kids. Before this moment, where on the phone, my brother and I discovered that we were both, he, I, I don't even remember what it was, but he asked me some question about, did you know that such and such about Joseph Smith and such and such about Emma? And, and I went, I just learned that. What are you, what are you doing? And we kind of discovered that <laughs> if we're in the same boat. So, yes, I did. I, I had a few people to turn to. Right. But I mean, the, the church, which can be very supportive, doesn't necessarily advertise that. And you don't, you don't know. So, so where, where did you turn for support? Um, so I think it's, I think like in any marriage, when you have a problem and you're trying to figure it out, you don't necessarily want to like tell everybody because you, you think like, well, until I get to the point where we figured it out, then I can tell everyone, oh, well, we've, overcame this big hurdle and and it wasn't um so I was one really upset with Alan two I was a little bit embarrassed mm -hmm. I didn't know like who I would turn to or what I know what my reaction was and I felt like well if I can work through this um then when things are better I can just tell my family afterwards because I didn't really want them to be involved right um I think it's one thing for Alan's family to be involved because like they're gonna love him no matter what but when it's an in-law and it's a different family I had some serious worries about my family resenting him or being upset with him and um so and so I didn't really turn to anyone I did talk to my sister-in-law who is his oldest brother is the bishop of a ward out there and um and I felt comfortable enough to talk to her. So 
I talked to her for a long time and they could see that we were kind of in a crisis. And so after we returned from Utah, they were really good enough to come, just the from two Georgia. of them from Georgia to right. fly out to Utah to spend some time with us because oh, they could tell that we were in a really bad place. So, well, and, and you talk about telling people, what do you even tell them? Exactly. Because you're going through a faith crisis. It's not like you've landed anywhere. Right. Yeah. You're like, my husband's reading a bunch of stuff and it's pissing me off. I mean, what, what, what exactly do you say to people? Well, and I, I found, like, I went on Facebook and I hate Facebook. I, I mean, I, I love Facebook, but I hate it because I feel like, um, I mean, it's not like a human connection. You have mm. these support groups, but I, for me, I needed to connect emotionally with someone on this level. And so I, I didn't know where to go. And I found this LDS Wives Anonymous Facebook group, Yeah. which I mean, is just a joke. For but the few months she was in that group, it was the best entertainment. Yeah. Cause it was, it was like the bachelor every night, you know, it's, you were it's, t- constant drama, constant the, the, the talking concept. of people's problems. People, it's called anonymous cause they're able to message the moderators with their question or their problem. And, and then, then, the then the it's posted anonymous, anonymously. So you get all the juicy stuff cause it's anonymous. Everything. Right. It was, it was so fun. And so <laughs> I posted about my, you know, where I was in my position and nobody had anything to say. They just said, Oh my God gosh, sorry, that's really hard. I don't even know what I would do in your position. And that doesn't make you feel better. You know, there's no, there is no map of how to navigate this. And so, um, yeah, Facebook was not a help to me at all. <laughs> no, and that's what I was hinting at before. That the, and, the, and, and the church is growing up to this and, and the people always lead out. So, yeah. so there's getting to be more in support. But, you know, for a long time, the church dealt with apostasy by kind of gaslighting the apostate and, 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 and this is sounding worse than I mean it to, because when you have a faith community and the, and the, you know, the Mormon church is more than just a, a bunch of believers. We're really tied in together. We take care of each other's kids. We listen to each other's problems. We go into each other's homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think to me, that's some of the best parts of Mormonism. But when somebody breaks faith, it really sends shockwaves through the community in ways that I think people start acting like in ways that that we can think they're being mean or they're being jerks, but we've really shifted their paradigm in a way like, wait, I I thought we were all brothers and sisters here. Why do you want to leave us? And, and I think that can result in some negative interaction. And then somebody like you, Katie is just stuck in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like, like you're, you're loyal to your husband, you're loyal to your church and you know, you're going to get some bad advice. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I did receive some bad advice and you know what? That's okay. I think that, uh, Alan and I early on decided that we would give every, everyone the benefit of the doubt. So even if they said something that was hurtful, we understood where those emotions were coming from. And also we just felt like if people were reaching out to us and they continue to, they cared enough about us to say something. And that is huge to, to me. Yeah. And, and so um, we never really have been offended by what people have said to us, even though we have received bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's gotten better over time. I remember... Yeah. In probably the fall of 2017, uh, after a meeting, Katie was speaking with a leader and asked him, where do you think Alan is? Where do you, where do you see he is? Cause I was still kind of doing this and I was still attending. And for the, 
for the non people in the room, the people that are listening, I, I kind of wobbled like I was losing my balance. <laughs> I, I was, I was up in the air. Uh, and the response was, was, well, I've noticed he's wearing colored shirts now. <laughs> and that, and that's, if they, if they to church, I, yes. yeah, yeah, just wearing the colored shirt. <laughs> right. And, and, and if they would have said, if I would have gotten that message yesterday, yeah. As opposed to 2017, if I would have got it yesterday, I would have just laughed. Right. Like we just did. I just, oh my gosh. All right. That's a little silly, but I, the anger is not, not in me as much anymore. It can flare. It can mm-hmm. flare. Right. But back then, um, I was mad. Remember you told me about it in our right. in the room and, 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 and I, I just think, said, can we just point out how ridiculous that, and yeah. I just went on a rant. <laughs> we were both upset because it seems, it just seems so ridiculous that that's what you would look at. Not that, you know, he's in the pew, like listening to what's going on, but because of what he's wearing is that that's what you have a problem with. Right. Um, and I still, I think we both still feel that way, but our reaction isn't as tied to emotion as it once was. Right. Where really trying to get to a place where, no matter who it is, I mean, yesterday I met for an hour and a half with the stake president. I'm not coming back, but he wanted to meet. So I said, sure, let's meet. And it was a great conversation. There wasn't any yelling or anger or he wasn't pointing fingers at me and I wasn't pointing fingers at him, but we're both very opinionated and we shared those opinions. And anyway, fantastic. <laughs> 2017, you're going through it. 2018, you launch a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So Katie met with uh, the stake president probably at the at the bottom of her emotional slope if, if you will before it started well, to get it better the stake president someone in the stake presidency oh yeah. excuse me and asked him i mean it was your conversation you can talk about it but yeah i mean i was i mean i was going through the motions i said there's no road map i don't know how to navigate this i don't know anyone in my situation not one single person and um, my family, I would say, is a very traditional Mormon family. And all my siblings have been married in the temple. And, I mean, there hasn't been anyone that has caused a wave. And here we are causing this a wave. A big wave. <laughs> and um, I, I said to him, you know, who can I talk to? And he said, well, you know, generally speaking, if the husband or the wife leaves... Um, the spouse always follows. And that upset me. And then I said, well, is there anyone I can talk to? You don't have to give me the name now. But just like if if there's someone that you could approach and say, hey, would you mind talking to them? And he just said, no, there isn't anyone. And it made me angry. <laughs> I think that's why I decided like I wanted to start a podcast because I was just angry that no one was talking about it. And so... Something Katie's not going to give herself credit for is she is one of the most, if not the most empathetic person I've met. And I think I feel that every day because I get to be with her. Uh, She very much in her pitch to do the podcast was there are people like me out there and I know they're hurting just as much. And would you want to do a podcast with me and we can get our voice out there? Uh, and people can help us or we can help other people rather. It had nothing to do with, I think if we talk about this, it will help us. It was, let's put our voice out there to let other people know that they're not alone. Well, let me take a second and thank you for it because, you know, I, I've seen a lot of the pain and a lot of the things that people go through and the situation that, that, that you're in, the mixed faith marriage is, is one of the hardest to navigate. 
And in, in reality, even if a couple leaves the church together, it's unlikely they're completely on the same page right. every single time. So almost everybody who's married, who one has a faith crisis, is going to go through what, what you're describing. And I, I think, Katie, you explained it well when you, when you said, you know, people feel embarrassment and they feel like a failure. You know, because as you were saying, you know, we're supposed to get married in the temple. We're supposed to have this eternal family. Um, you know, it, it's like, it's the old joke is, you know, in the, in the church, you're supposed to, you know, go to young women's and then, you know, go get the priesthood. If you're a man, you're, you have all these marks and then you get married, then you have kids and then, and then you die is, is, is the next one, right? Right. Like, like it's, it's just, it's just keep going now. Yeah. And, and, and then it feels a lot of ways like you got off track, like, like your heaven even here on earth just came crumbling down around you. And, and sometimes the ex Mormon is off, you know, like discovering this new world of all these new opportunities. And the, 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 the person who's left sitting in the pews by themselves mm. now feels lonely with four kids. With four kids. <laughs> so, so, so do you still go to church at all? What, 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 what do you do? I don't, uh, it's, it's been, I tried again in January so we're sitting here in March. So a couple of months ago, I tried, hey, two hours, maybe, you know. And no, it, it was, I'm too talkative. And, and yeah, I can get through sacrament just fine. It, I kind of roll my eyes and Katie and I will look at each other and I'll roll my eyes and she'll roll my eyes because I roll my eyes and those types of things. But we, I can get through it. But, but man, I, I'm not to a point where I can just sit in. It's damaging to me right. to hear some of the things that are said in elders quorum or a Sunday school and not raise my hand and say, can I offer a different perspective on this and uh, so yeah I, I'm not attending right now so how is going to church um <laughs> well this last Sunday was horrible I mean <laughs> I'm gonna be totally honest like when it's hard and when it's good and when there are things that are great said and bad said I will text Alan throughout church and say like oh man guess who said this or you know and 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 I'll, I mean I text Alan Sunday and I, and I just said I mean, I don't want to, can I swear? I said, like, our kids are being assholes. I was so mad. Like, that's how pissed off I was at him. And it's not easy for me to wrangle, like, four kids alone in a pew. And at first, um, I didn't like getting, like, the judgy pity stares, because everyone knows. And, um, but then I just stopped caring. And um, I'm the, I'm the primary president in my ward. And so, um Right now, primary is a great place for me. I love being in primary with my kids, and that's that's a nice, like, safe little bubble for me. Thank I'm, you, I'm because be I, I loved the primary. <laughs> I um, and uh, there was some resentment because when when you know my 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 uh, first wife and I um, we 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 weren't able to have children. It was six or seven years before we adopted. So that means every ward we went into, they just dropped us right in the primary. And I was resentful in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then I wasn't in the primary. I had to go to the regular ward. And I, I just <laughs> want to, as a matter of fact, when we, when we left the church, we went to the Unitarian Church for four or five years. Mm -hmm. And I volunteered right away to go teach the nine-year-olds because I, I, it felt like a sanctuary for yeah. me. Right, right. Yeah, kids don't care if no. you've had a bad day, if you're crying, if they just don't care. They just love you no matter what. And I had a lot of those days um, when we were going through this. And so when I got to primary, um, like I really feel I get a lot out of um, being with kids. And one time Alan um, suggested we go do something on a Sunday. And I'm like, I've got the primary program practice. Like there's just no way I can do it. And 
<laughs> and he's, what did you say? Yeah, I kind of, I didn't blow up, but I kind of was just like, see, you're choosing the church over your family. <laughs> and why can't we go do something as a family? And and her, and her and response my, was reasonable. Yeah. And so I, I said to him, look, I feel like I serve my family. I'm a stay home mom. I am with the family all day, every day. That's all I do. And one thing that really fulfills me is, is fulfilling like my calling and primary is fulfilling to me. So if I get like one hour back then it was two hours, two hours a week and I get to do something that I love, I, I want to be there. And he absolutely, um, it was a light switch and that moment was big, uh, for whatever reason, like intellectually, I think I understood what she was saying before she said it. But when she said it, a light switch went off and it, it was like, this is good for her. She's, she's expressing that this is something that she needs and that it helps her feel closer to those that she's serving, to her God. Like, how dare I try to pull that away? And it helped that one of the things you didn't say you mentioned was the very first thing out of her mouth was like, why can't we do both? Why do we have to miss church to go hiking? Yeah. Why don't we go hiking after church? And I was like, well, yeah, I guess I'm just trying to, I'm testing you, I guess, which is rude. And so, I mean, those conversations have led to some, I mean, breakthroughs, but if you don't have the conversations, you don't break through. All right. Well, and, and this reflects on a piece of advice I gave in last week's podcast, which is a lot of people, when they leave the church or have a faith crisis, they, they want resolution. They want to quickly get to like the next stage, Right. but there is no next stage and there is no hurry you know, just do everything at your own speed. Mm-hmm. You, and, and, and if people can accept that, they're going to be much happier, you know? Yeah. And of course, that's harder when you have two people who have two different speeds. But. Yeah. Well, and it, it, you're reminding me of something that Bill Reel, so our podcast is done underneath Bill Reel's umbrella of former oh, discussions. And Bill Reel, when we started, one of the very first pieces of advice he gave was, as you're recording this, you need to be true to who you are. And if, if your dynamic changes... Don't try to pretend that you're this happy mixed faith marriage couple. If Katie's testimony starts to crack, document it. You have to be true. And if you, and if you don't want to record it anymore, then stop recording it. But don't let, don't make the podcast as you've set it up to be this, oh, we can make it all work. And it's so happy and she'll always be out. I'll always be in. If I decide I'm going to go back. We need to document that. It's our story. We don't have to shape the narrative to meet the listener. I love Bill, and he gives good advice. That's good advice. But I'm going to play a trump card. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> He's not here to defend himself. So. I'm going to tell you guys, as somebody who recorded a podcast with my, with my former wife, and I'm trying to bash, get the word X out of my, my, my vocabulary. Sure. She's, she's still a great friend. We, we, we get along really well. There's parts that can be just yours. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put everything on the air. Right. Right. I, no, I, 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 so. I agree with you. And sorry, one second, babe. Uh, <laughs> the, I think his, his main point wasn't document at all. It was, uh, you don't have to pretend. Be authentic. I, yeah, be I authentic. Agree with that. You don't have to pretend. Yeah. And um, along with that, it, it's funny because there have been episodes that we've recorded and I've listened back and I'm like, nope, nope sorry. Delete. Um, because they were not what I wanted them to be, or, I mean, I think it was just like raw things. Um, there, I cry almost every episode. (laughs) I feel like, I mean, I don't really, but I just, there, there are some really, um, big things that we talk about on the podcast that are, I think are helpful for other couples, but, um, Alan is 
like really good about sharing everything and I am not and so luckily he's given me a lot of the creative control so that if there's something that I I don't like in an episode or something that I mean we disagreed on or I'll say like edit this or I'll say um let's not let's hold off on this and maybe we can air it a little bit later when I feel better about it yeah you you say you've recorded about 30 episodes now yeah yeah yeah, I probably have about 30 that I haven't aired. <laughs> and and I'll tell you, there's ones that have been up there that I've gone back years later and pulled down. Yeah. So so you're, you're right. I mean, you're, you're, we're, we're in an emotional stream, all of us, in, in, in life. And things change. And, you know, you, you'll be going along in life well. And bam, suddenly your father passes away. Right. And everything changes, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's okay. So, I, you know, I accused you. I, I jokingly called you guys exhibitionists um, when, when you came in. <laughs> Because there's, there's something about wanting to um, get your voice out there. I, I, I've done a lot of self-work, and I think I decided because I'm a middle child, and I never got listened to, <laughs> so now everybody else has to listen to me. Right. Yeah. So so what is it that made you guys want to... I mean, you've, you, you've, you've said it a little bit. You want to help other people, sure. but that's the Sunday school answer. What made you <laughs> want to put your voices out? I mean, there has to be something that, that made you think, Katie, well, let's do a podcast. I felt like... I didn't want to hide anymore. Mm. I had this group of women that I would go to um, go to dinner with a lot, and I, for a full year, I didn't tell anyone. And it was, it was, it just like ate at me, and that I couldn't like speak my truth. I couldn't speak about what was happening to me. That it was such a taboo subject. Everything at dinners were very surface level about kids and you know where we're going on vacation nothing was deep and that really bothered me when this happened because I felt like I needed to connect with other people on a deeper level as well as with my my spouse and so I never honestly when we did the podcast I thought well I didn't think this a a very well-meaning family member said um, you guys aren't professionals. Who would ever want to listen to you? <laughs> Who would want to listen to you? Are, are there any professional podcasters? I thought that was part, mean, of the, part of this. We're not professional. We can't give advice. And I think in the first few episodes, we gave a lot of disclaimers. Like, hey, we're not, we are not psychologists. We're not therapists. But um, that really like struck a chord in me. And I thought, there's got to be other people who want to listen to this. And I mean, within the first two episodes, we, we knew. And again, I, I, I know I keep pandering and, and thanking you. I, I, I think one of the, the problems I see in, in, our, in, our, in our broader culture is so many people take their cues of what Mormonism is like from conference or from the enzyme or whatever. And really, Mormons are much richer and more dynamic and more complex than the church ever plays out. Mm-hmm. And I thank you again so much for, for going on and, and, and representing that because I think it's, it's underrepresented. You know, yeah, I, I, I'm just super proud of, of Katie for wanting to put her voice out there. I've, in our marriage, I've always been the one to get on a stage or to turn on the mic. I've, literally. I, literally. Who does yeah. improv comedy? I perform in Provo at Comedy Sports. Yeah. Friday and Saturday night at 7.30 and 9.30. Uh, but then we've done a, I've done a video game podcast. So I think uh, she knew that uh, podcast was in the home already. And that was one method of, of she getting saw you public. doing it. And she's like, Oh, any Yahoo can do that. Any, if he can do it, then we can I've do it together. I've never listened to any of his 
and video game no. podcast, not even one. Of course not. Yeah. Why, would, why would she? But when, but when, mm-hmm. as we recorded this, that first episode, it was so fascinating for me to sit and see her be so eloquent and thoughtful and open and vulnerable where when she gets upset or when she's feeling vulnerable, her, she just, she locks down like many people do. She locks down and boy, I won't, I, I'm, I've learned now it's been almost 15 years. We're not true experts yet in the marriage field, but we're, it's a constant effort, mm-hmm. but I've learned, I just don't even try this clam is shut and we got a, well, I should use a different animal. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the door is locked, uh, for a, for a day or so and wait for her to open. So when I sat down across the same microphone from her, uh, she, she kind of opened and, and it was, it was really cool. And we had no idea how it would be received. And uh, I mean, we're not nominated for an Emmy or anything, so it's, I'm not trying to trump up what we are, but, no. but you know, Bill, we sent him the audio and on a Thursday, well, we, well, we recorded it and I said, there's, we're not doing this. And, <laughs> and, um, Alan sent Bill the audio and we'd never heard back. And I thought, well, that's that. He didn't like it. That's fine. And then he's Texas on a Saturday night and said, your episode is airing in the morning. <laughs> and I flipped out. I'm like, I can't do this. This, There's no way we shouldn't do this. It's okay. It's going to be all right. I, have you, have yeah, you done the thing out. where you keep refreshing and see, look for comments? <laughs> oh, no. I didn't even look at the website. I was... Yeah. And, yeah. So I had to go and get in front of the bishop the next day and tell him like, hey, just FYI, this is hitting and this is how you can listen and I promise we'll be good and... And then the and we family started, families. we told family like, Hey, this is going to be out there. And, but there the, was, the, other than a few well-meaning family members comments, yeah. it's been very positive and the emails started rolling in just so fast. I mean, when you're, when you're released on the same feed as Bill Reel's podcast, you have a installed fan base right, right from the beginning. And that's when the therapy started for us is meeting with other people. Yeah. It was the best thing that could have happened. So what this dirty secret about marriage and a tightrope is, <laughs> is that we've gotten, and this is so cliche, but we have gotten so much more out of it than we've given. <laughs> it's just been a life saver for us, not only to talk to each other as we've recorded, but the people we've met and seeing other people face to face last night, we went to dinner with another couple and just like, they're making it work. We're making it work. They had a hard experience last week. So did we like, this is okay. We're going to make this work. It's good. Fantastic. So, yeah. oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and um, it's funny because we have a few couples that are, have been good friends for, I mean, our whole marriage, but you find that um, as you enter different phases of life, um, different people come into your life that are good for you right then. And so, like, right now, while we, you know, love the couples that we've been friends with for years... Um, it's, it's really natural and easy to meet with these couples who are in the same position. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Take care of yourselves. They'll, they'll, um, <laughs> you, you can, and one of the, the, the most richly rewarding things of being involved in something like this, it doesn't is, is you, you, you meet other people and you're able to help other people, but it can be a burden. Yeah. So I give you permission to turn off the email and not answer everything. Um, oh. You're saying this at the peak of our stress level with yeah. with everything. We're we're at burnout. Like we are at we are at fa- DEFCOM four. Yeah. It gets worse. 
And if you let it, if DEFCON goes above five. Oh, no. I'm just saying. I thought four was the top. Did I not know the scale? I'm just saying. You guys, I give you permission to step back. Because there'll be people who who are in need. And you can't solve everybody's problem. So so here's the question. Um, And this has been, like, on my mind. And maybe you can give me some advice, John. But... um, other than Facebook, how do you connect? You know, we're the common denominator for most people. And I don't mind, we don't mind meeting with people and talking with people, but I feel like, you know, there has to be a group of people that can just meet up on their own to, to give that support to each other. And I don't know how to do that. They, they, they are. And there's, there's actually quite a few of them. Are there? Sometimes I make it sound like they're not. But but what happens is, is the groups tend to form and then they tend to break off. Um from like a public access and then new ones form and new ones form. There's a lot of, um, um, secret groups on Facebook sure. and they're, they're secret just so people don't want to get like punched by their family or, right. or, or what, whatever that, that are out there giving this kind of support. But you know, frankly, you guys are some of the best to help coordinate that stuff. And, and right. that, that's kind of what we've you want to do is, tra- is traffic cop and say, oh, well, you're up in northern uh, Europe in Idaho in the Boise area. Well, I know these guys. Yeah. And I know these guys. And that's something if, if folks want to help us that um, I, I know like uh, Mormon Spectrum has been working on that problem. Post-Mormon um, years ago worked on that problem. We're looking at ways to do how we did it in, in Whitefields. And, and yeah, don't be afraid to, to, to shuffle fo- folks off, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and, and, and just, you know, m- most of the people are, are, are good. There are some toxic people out there, right. <laughs> but, but, but more, more is just, you know, you've only got so much to give yeah. right? and, yeah. and you're already putting so much of yourself out there on the podcast because it's emotionally exhausting yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, and you have to recover. So um, having said all that, what have you learned? What, tell me about the arc since you've been on the podcast. How has mm-hmm. it changed you? Um, so as a a TBM, I always call myself like at the beginning, I was a true believing Mormon, right? Um, at the beginning, um, I didn't really understand all the issues. I feel like I have not done near as much as Alan's, um, in-depth study, but I would categorize myself as a more nuanced believer. And I, I don't say that in a negative way. I think that I absolutely recognize where the hurt comes from for other people. It's easier for me to empathize with them. And um, I think that's a really positive thing. Um, As well as, I mean, our communication between the two of us has just shot into the stratosphere. We are at this place right now. It's probably the best it's ever been in in our whole marriage. But it's, it's so weird how you can go through something like this and still feel completely connected to each other and have it um, elevate where you're at um, just by communication and by working through things together. And, I mean, it, the, the transition has totally done that for our marriage. And it's been, it's been really positive. There are very, I mean, I think that the very few negative things that I have in my mind were just expectations of my future. Um, but if I just worry about what is the here and now, things are, things are better than it ever has been. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a couple of examples of uh, things that have been signs of change and really breakthroughs. One of them happened live 
while we were recording, which was really cool, where I got it in my head to ask Katie, how do you know that I love you? And this is early on. This is episode four. It was Mm -hmm. on Valentine's Day of 2018. And she listed off all of the reasons of how you treat me, how you treat the kids. You go to work every day and you work hard. Uh, You play with the kids so much and you tell me that you love me and you give me kisses. And... And it worked perfectly. I was hoping for that answer. <laughs> and because the, respo- the response was, you didn't say a thing about my beliefs. My beliefs have nothing to do with how you know that I love you and vice versa. Doesn't make it, doesn't make it easy, but we are together because we love each other. And that has nothing to do with our religious beliefs. Uh, that was a really big moment. Um, I, the, the, the misconception that I don't want to portray or the, the misinformation I don't want to portray is that everything's easy. Just yesterday, I, I, I said to Katie, I'm like, can I tell you something that's been bothering me for a year? And she said, sure. <laughs> and I, I love those conversations. And, and I pointed to the, to the framed, uh, family proclamation on the wall and said, I, it really bothers me that that's hanging on our wall. And, and that's I even, said it at the right, wrong time because she had um, to take yeah. a kid to soccer or something. And, and so she ran out. But then when she got back, as soon as she walked in the door, we had both, it was almost like, oh, maybe we should try this. Of just like, this is my problem. And then go away for 10 minutes or something. Because when she got back, we, she walked in the door and I put my hands on her shoulders and leaned over and said, I just want you to know I'm a reasonable person. We can talk about this. We can like, let's, I want you to understand why. And if you have any questions and like, let's talk about it, let's just talk about it. I love you. And that hasn't changed. And you sometimes just have to be very deliberate in how you do that. And so we, we talked back and forth a little bit. And I said, well, I mean, this is something we got when we first were married and it's been sitting on the wall in every place we've lived in for how many years. So you don't really think about that kind of thing. And, and I said, is it, picture of the temple that bothers you like I didn't really get it I knew that the proclamation for family I I mean I understand why he has a problem with that but I just had never thought of that and so when he said no it's not the picture of the temple because we were married in the Salt Lake Temple and it's the proclamation so we had a short back and forth about that and it was great it was it was fine and I one thing that I'm Katie mentioned how personally she's kind of moved from a a true believing to a nuanced believing. And for me, I'm so, so grateful. And I think it it's happened slowly over the last three or four months, really very recent that, uh, I've been, I can look at something like the, the proclamation to the fam, to the world, the family proclamation and see a lot of really great things. Well, and, and, and you're hinting there. So, this is more for the listeners than you, but you need to do the same thing. Right. So, so many ex-Mormons are so orthodox in their ex-Mormonry. No, exactly. And, and, and then we get, we get nuanced believers, you know, which you have to be to be in, in this world. But, but unless you're a conspiracy theorist, you have to be a nuanced believer to believe in anything. Right. Yeah. You know, right. when I hear ex-Mormons talk about cognitive dissonance, all this stuff, it's all true. I don't, but, but it's really true for everything. You know, right. you can't be a Packers fan and not have like cognitive dissonance. You yeah. know, right. you can't, yeah. you can't be an American citizen and not have a bunch of cognitive dissonance. Right? <laughs> so, so, so I, I think we on the ex Mormon side need to ease up on every, everyone else mm-hmm. because sometimes we're so 
orthodox and right. so and so straight laced, you know. But you know what's sad, John, about not being so orthodox is sports is one thing. <laughs> is I'm a fervent Dodger fan, but ever since my crisis yeah. and this stupid empathy that has entered my life, <laughs> I've I can't hate the Giants anymore. <laughs> and and I, I graduated from BYU, and I look at the University of Utah, and I don't hate it anymore. And I'm like, no, there's something. It's fun to hate something. I want to be able to hate something. But well, I mean, I I, for, I I get what you're saying. For a lot of time, I was really angry at BYU. <laughs> And but you know I was down there. We went to see like a, a, a movie that had been released, been produced um, uh, by my my wife and I, and we were just wandering around because we, we were there at the same time. We didn't know each other, and it's just it's part of us. It's part of you know, right. and and it's just I don't know. I, I I think there's more joy to be found in the middle. I, I yeah, say that. Yeah. I say that, and I, I got accused recently of being a, a, a TBM myself. <laughs> um, you know, like I, I don't, I don't believe anything metaphysical, yeah. and right. I, I don't like any institutions. I'm, I'm kind of an anarchist when it comes to it. So the fact that it's a corporate church means I'm not on board. Right. But that's way different than the people. Yeah. The people are dynamic and interesting and weird yeah. and fun and funny. And we so often look at what these what these old guys in Salt Lake are saying, and we color you know, millions of people. And it's just ridiculous. Well, and, and even what those people are saying in the last two days, I've had my stake president and the day before I went to lunch with, uh, <laughs> the child of a very well-known general authority. Right. Uh, and they both asked me the same question in a di slightly different wording. The stake president asked me, what do you think their motivation is? What do you think the top, the 15, the top 15's motivation is? The other question I got was, do you think they're evil? He was a little more direct. Right. <laughs> and I don't. I don't. I don't think that their motivation is, and if we're going down a different path in this conversation, we can, we can stop. But it's, I, I look at what they're doing. I, don't, I think their motivation is pure. I think that they believe who they say they are. And I think that their intentions are well-meaning. They want to help people and they, they do believe what they're, what they're preaching. Uh, but unintentionally there, there can be some harm. I, I agree with that. And I, I think I'm not, and I'm not accusing these guys of being evil. They're not. So, yeah. so, but whenever you see true evil in, in the world, it comes from a place of like some sort of orthodoxy to some mm. weird standard, you know? And, and, and I, I do, I, I've had that same conversation saying, well, what would you do if you were the, right. you know, I, I, I think these guys generally do believe, I think sometimes they play fast and loose with things in ways they shouldn't. Sure. But you know, I, if, if I suddenly found myself at the head of the church, cause if, if you make a bad move, you can alienate a lot of people as you guys know, mm -hmm. and your listeners know going through a faith crisis is very disruptive. So I think oftentimes their, their decisions are trying to minimize that impact. And sometimes they win and sometimes they lose, you know? Right, right. So, so what kind of stories have you heard from people? I mean, like we hinted at, that's sometimes yeah. the most rewarding part about this is being connected to, to out there to the world. Yeah. So um, I'm glad you asked that because I was kind of thinking along the lines of, like, I hope the listeners don't feel like um, if they're in this situation that they have to be like Alan and I's relationship, right? Like we're making it work and for us things are going well. But we have seen couples in every situation. And I mean, we've been in it for over a year now. So we've seen their relationships evolve also. You know, we've seen people get divorced. We've seen um, another spouse leave with, with them. Um, we've seen them stay together. 
we've seen a number of different things. Um, and so I hope people know that, you know, this lifestyle that Alan and I are living right now, um, it works for us, but it doesn't work for everyone. And um, I, I never want to, you know, we had a few, we had a couple that we went out with and um, he was out and she was in and she was trying to make it work and it just no longer worked for her. And so she went out and, and she, she got out of the church also and she sent me this text and she said, I'm so sorry, um, you really did help us, but I'm sorry it didn't end up that I stayed in. And I said, no, I think you misunderstand. We are here to support whatever you feel is best for you and your family. And so whether you're in or out, it doesn't make any difference to us. We just want to be there to help you through it. And if we provided some help, great. But um, we're supportive of whatever you decide. Yeah, and that, that's thank you for saying that. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm railing at is people kind of take this as if it's a, it's a journey to a destination. They're trying to get to that destination as quickly as possible. Am I in? Am I out? Am I a member? Am I not a member? Are we going to, you know, you know are we going to stay together? Are we not? And it just, I want everybody to breathe and right. be a little bit more mindful and just really saying, oh, I'm feeling nervous today. Why am I feeling nervous? Oh, that hurt me. Why did that, why did that hurt me? And, and, and do what you're going to do at your speed. And I don't care what that is. Mm-hmm. You, you know, but if, if, you know, if, if you, if you want to go drop acid with your friends, go drop acid with your friends, just do it safely, please. Um, but, but don't feel forced and, and don't feel like you have to do any of that stuff. Right. Right. And, 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 and I, I love the way you're framing it that, 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 you know, people say, oh, I, I fa- our, our marriage failed. Mm-hmm. No, the marriage didn't fail. You were together for 10 years. And then you both collectively decided the best thing for us is, is to move on. That's what I, I want people to recognize. Let's stop framing states of being as failures. And, you know, you guys could, I don't know, next year go both go back to church. You could both become Lutherans. Who knows? Right. Maybe you'll open a Buddhist retreat in 10 years. <laughs> whatever, your path, nice. your, whatever your path is, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. as long as you don't hurt other people. Exactly. Right. That's, that's, that's the key. Uh, a few rapid fire uh, stories from, from a few listeners that we had. One of the, we immediately started offering to go to dinner with people. And I, probably the fourth or fifth dinner we went to, Copper Onion. It's wonderful. Love it. But we went to the Copper Onion and sat down and the, the husband was out. The wife was still in. We didn't know much about him. Uh, we, we knew that he had gone to high school with my sister. And so we had that sort of um, as a common ground. He was from my hometown. and But we didn't know much else about the couple. Yeah, and we, we went into the dinner the same way we went into all the dinners. About 30 seconds of ice breaking of, oh, how's it going? How was your day? Oh, the traffic was bad. And then Katie was like, let's just get right down to it. <laughs> to the Katie says, let's just get right down to it. Uh, do you both listen then? How, how are things going with this? Are, and it was very clear the wife just tensed up. And she said, I am not I have not listened. I will not listen. <laughs> I do not want to be here. I, I, I got him to sit down with um, a general authority. A general authority that was visiting the stake, and the stake president came to her and said, "Hey, we'd like to, we'd like to visit your husband with this general authority." And he said, "Fine, I will said, if you go to dinner with this couple." And we had no idea. And we had no idea. Had and no she idea. started crying, stood up, and rushed out of oh, the restaurant. I'm so sorry. And we just went. 
Oh my gosh. I was ticked at him. I was, you know, we sat there for 20 minutes and I, and we kept saying, do you want to go check Should on you your wife? Should you go be with do her? Do you want to? And she, he said, she'll she's fine. fine. She'll be fine. She'll come back. And she came back, but the rest of the dinner was so awkward. I said, we don't have to talk about any of this. And she said, if we talk about any of this, I'll leave. Right. And I said, okay. So we just kept it surface level. Yeah. And after we're walking out of the restaurant and I'm really upset at him because I thought, <laughs> okay, number one, you can tell there is no communication between the two of them, obviously. And, um, and after the dinner, he pulled me aside and said, well, that went really well. <laughs> and I said, and I thought, in what universe did that go well? That went horribly wrong. And so after that, we realized we need to screen these couples we need to, to make, make sure, we need to make they're, sure they're both, both on board. People. And we're probably, you know, based on a one hour uh, dinner, we're, we're judging the state of someone's marriage. And that's probably not fair. Now, so now no. you, you guys are a little bit younger than me. You're, you're in your mid thirties or so. Yeah. Right? I'm in my mid forties. Let me tell you a secret about life. Sure. Um, <laughs> especially in their forties, couples use other couples for therapy. Well, <laughs> this is not just something that people leaving the church do. Right. The, when couples can't talk to each other. So yes, it happens. And it's going to happen a lot more in your life that you'll be at dinner with somebody like, are they, uh, are they using me for, <laughs> for that? Right. So, let let yeah. me editorialize out there into the world. You are wonderful to go out to dinner with people and you should all of you folks out there. If you invite a podcast host, of which there is no money in podcasting, to dinner, you are obligated. See, I'm correcting all the sins that you are obligated to buy their dinner. I have been out to many, many, many lunches and dinners, and I'm 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 fine. But it does get expensive. So please, if you invite these fine folks or other podcasters or other people, just recognize there's no money in this. Buy their dinner for them. We're gonna clip the last two minutes that you just said and insert it into our next episode. <laughs> it does. Just it, say it, it, now it, a message from John Larson. It gets, it gets expensive, and, and I, I know where you're at. You you want to help people, and you want, but but it is it is a burden. So I don't. I don't want to discourage people from reaching out to right, other people, right. but just recognize you're intruding in, in somebody. Well, I think, life. I think what's going to happen is we'll stop. We're not going to be going to Copper Onion anymore. We're going to be going to Taco Bell and <laughs> no, McDonald's. He's <laughs> like, sure. I'll pay, but no, it's something in between like a cafe Rio. <laughs> <but> <laughs> right, right. Very early. I'll tell a, a quick story of one more listener. Uh, never have spoken to the wife. Wife has not listened, but this uh, this gentleman reached out. We went to we've gone to lunch probably eight or nine times over the last year. Great guy, and he has paid, and I have paid. We've kind of switched. They're they're not in a good situation in their marriage. It's a very difficult situation for them, and he's. I mean, he'll get very very specific about things that are happening. And she saw him with Grant Palmer's book, and she burned it literally and, <laughs> and stormed out of the house. Those types of stories. Well. You know, one night or one day I'm driving home from work and I get a text from him and I'll just say I was at a stoplight so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> I, I checked the text and it says, I, and I heard and heard, hadn't heard from him in a few weeks. It says, I'm going to drive on to oncoming traffic. And that was it. And I called him immediately and said, what are, what is going on? Meet me at, we always met at Cafe Rio in Fort Union. Meet me. Can you meet me at Cafe Rio in 15 minutes? And he said, yeah, I'll be there. And he was all broken up. So we met at Cafe Rio and we talked and he was just in the depths of despair and marriage is failing. This is not working. This is so difficult. And I got home to Katie 
and told her what happened. And I was a mess. I was just like, I can't do this. This is too much. I can't do this. Let's go record. <laughs> so it's we not went, my first inclination. <laughs> so while the tears were still streaming, we hit record and just pled with people of just get help. And if it's not us, just get help, please. Don't let this, you guys, don't let this literally ruin your life. You can't let this happen. And uh, the same gentleman about two months after that sent me a text out of nowhere that said, hey, uh, my wife has threatened divorce. I'm no longer allowed to talk to you. So please stop contacting me. Hmm. And I went, Hey, more power to you. But you weren't contacting him. He no, was I wasn't. He was contacting me, but I said, that's fine, man. Completely fine. Like, I'm glad you're taking it seriously. Best of luck. And then within a week he was back calling me. And his saying, wife was out of town. And he, he's always in the car and he's telling me, he's, right. he's telling me, y'all just delete the call log. And I'm like, bro. Anyway, so there's, there's definitely some interesting interactions you have with people. The, the, st the stakes are high, which yeah. is why you yeah. guys modeling it. And I really like the, that you say, you know, Hey, we're not like everybody else, but it, it, it does give, it does give people hope. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring on another a cu different couple that's bickering and fighting so that other people won't feel so bad. I mean, you guys are oh, modeling. Oh, really? Well, what are we still fighting about? Uh, I don't know. Alcohol. You want to talk about alcohol? Oh, yeah. We were going to talk about the oh, booze. Wow. <laughs> well, let's talk about alcohol. I was saying before we recorded, you know, alcohol is, is, is for me, I talk about it a lot on the podcast because it's such a, just a, a symbol of ex-Mormonism because it's the first thing that people are like, well, what can't I do? Well, I'm not supposed to have sex with them, but I'm married, so I'll, I'll skip that one. Well, alcohol. Coffee. Let's go after yeah. the right. Um, so, so where are you guys at on alcohol? Uh, well, Katie drinks now, which is weird. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, the, you know, uh, it's not that funny anymore because Mormons drink now. A right. lot of them do. Right? Yes. It's 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 an you know it, it, that's why they don't open the uh, state liquor stores on Sunday because they don't want to be embarrassed themselves with all the people in white shirts in there. <laughs> Uh, alcohol is not part of the equation yet. Uh, we've talked about it a couple of times. We actually want to do an episode about it, uh, to really talk about it because we haven't really talked about it deep. She knows that, that I clearly don't think there's anything wrong with it, but that I still live by the law of consequences just because I don't believe that drinking, let's use that as the example we're talking about, that drinking is a sin. There are still consequences yes. to drinking. If I'm trying to lose weight, it's not a great time to drink a lot of alcohol. True. If I want to, I mean, my father was killed by a drunk driver. So it's, it's, there are real consequences to it. I've been able to, to stand back and, and see uh, some family on my side who has left the church at the very same time I have start casually drinking. And I still haven't, I don't feel like I'm missing out right now. Um, but I've seen them and, and they've kind of explained at first one of my brothers, well, I'm outing him. Uh, my mom's not going to hear this, uh, but my brother didn't like it at first. And then he found some other drinks that he did right. and they've never done anything irresponsible. They, they've actually had very positive consequences, um, as a social lubricant in, in certain situations. And so it's, there, there are consequences to every single situation. Katie was telling us on the way here, we were talking about a, a family that we're going to meet in California next week. Uh, even on our vacation, we don't take vacations, but so she, she, uh, this mother said she's got four children and the two that are in the church are great and they're model children and they have healthy marriages and healthy jobs. And the two that are out don't, 
and they're really struggling. And she's like, I look, I don't want to say the cliche thing. And I know it's just my small little family and I'm not even saying the cliche thing either. But for me, one of my big things that I've thought about is what is the consequence of stripping out this unit of support, this ward family, what am I going to replace it with? Right. Because there's, I feel buoyed up by those around me. And I I fought for over a year to keep going and be a part of it. Uh, and not from a, I'm going to change it from the inside type of type of way. Well, at first it was like that. There was a little bit of yeah. it, right? But I wanted to be there to get something out of it. And I don't think that's tenable for me anymore. But now I realize that and I go, well, shoot, what am I going to do so that I can still have that, all the benefits <laughs> of, of that community? Uh, alcohol is a, is a choice that people should think about. For me, it was four or five years after I lost my faith because I had alcoholism in my family. Mm. Um, yeah, it's not something. And I, I think I'm going to put together a show where I'm going to bring in some ex-Mormons who became alcoholics. Yeah. So we, we can hear about the, you know, I, of course I drink. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it can be an enriching part. I actually don't drink that much. I, I drink yeah. a, a little bit. But I invite when you, when you guys decide you want to have your first drink, or, or it's a together decision. It's it's one I advise you need to make together. Right. Don't sneak off. No, and no, take no. A drink. And that's one no, thing that we've talked about that. very deliberately. There will be no secrets. Right. If I'm going to, if I feel I need to make a change in my behavior, I'm going to say it. Luckily, my mess up of not communicating a change I was going to make was a relatively minor one. It, I stopped wearing garments. Uh huh. Uh, which is not to Relatively say minor not, quotation like, marks. I didn't, I didn't go get a prostitute is what I'm trying to say. Right. It's I, I, fully understanding that that's a very serious thing. And it was a problem when it happened, but I'm glad if I was going to make a mistake, that was of the list of mistakes to make and keep secret. That was probably a pretty good one. Well, uh, you should know that I had a former uh, escort one time explain to me that they, they, all the escorts in Utah know how to deal with garments. So, <laughs> do they? Yes. So, so fascinating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, well, good. So, anyway, if you, when you decide you want to have your first drink, I, I offer that I will, I will have you over and, and, and let you sample. <laughs> fair. That's fair. Thank and then you. we can sit and make fun of him while he's doing it. Oh my god! <laughs> Alan always says um, that your first drink will be with me. I've, I've said I want our I want the first time I have alcohol to be a glass of wine as you are drinking a glass of wine under the Eiffel Tower. How romantic, John. I like it. How romantic. I think that was a number of months ago, and now I'm just like, eh. I'll eh. just drink with my brother when we get to Georgia. I'll tell chair. you, my first drink was yeah, with, with, my, with Zilpha, my former wife. We were on the shore in Miami. It, we got a some kind of fruity, rummy drink, right. you know. Oh, it was terrible. Like, <laughs> no one told me that alcohol was like getting punched in the nose. Right. It's like drinking NyQuil. Yeah, I, I imagine. And it's expensive, too. <laughs> well, it's all this buildup. It's 36 years, almost yeah, 37 right. years, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, here it comes, the big moment. Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. Well, if, yeah. when, when and if you decide, again, I don't mean right. Russia, but know that you're in good company. Most of the prophets, seers, and revelators were drinkers. Right. All right. So, well, well now it's going to move forward. Where, where do you want it to go? What's next? Where do you want to go with this, Katie? Oh, geez. I feel like we're just, like, keeping our heads above water. <laughs> we're paddling along. And, um, I don't know. I 
like I said, I, I need to figure out a way to try and connect some of you couples together. Um, I don't know how we're going to do it, but that's, that's a big um, goal of mine. And to be honest with you, and I don't know if you have felt this way, John, but um, Alan and I feel like we, have, we could talk about so many different things that has nothing to do with Mormonism. And, and, um, so I've been like wanting to start another podcast, um, in addition to our, our current podcast, just so we can talk about life stuff and kids stuff. And because I feel like we have a lot of things that happen to us just randomly and, and we love to like share with other people. And so I think I see that in our future. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. The self-therapy that is recording a podcast to work through some of this stuff, the, there are still situations like this family proclamation conversation. Yeah. I would love to record that because I think that would be very good listening. It would also help us talk through it a little bit, alcohol as well. But those, those big topics, we've worked through a lot of it. And again, sitting on that side of the table, it's nice knowing because I mean, you're like, Oh my gosh, you guys are a year and a half into this, you know? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're, you're handling it. Well, I do have a homework assignment since so just brought up the Ooh, family yeah. the proclamation. Alan, I, I, you need to write your own. So I want you to take, I want you to take it. I want you to rewrite it and, t- and okay. tell me what you think is. Yeah. We've talked about that. We've talked about it. I started and about three lines in Katie was Katie's. Do you remember this? No. Katie Obviously said, I don't remember anything I, you say. I started me. writing it. And within a few lines, uh, your feedback was, this really seems like an Allen proclamation and not a family proclamation. Yeah. I probably said that. And, uh, cause it was probably something like, it doesn't matter what you believe. I don't remember exactly. Well, what it'd be great to have you write your own because you, you challenged the truth. You threw, you threw down. So, right. Yeah. So you have if to, if you're going to replace this thing, what are you going to do? And what then are you gonna a great it? exercise would be to write one together. And yeah. the, you know, the, as I look at it, the most value of that would be put it away and then come back in five or 10 years and mm-hmm. see how it's changed. Right. Cause it will change. Right. You know? Yeah. Especially when your kids, you know, you love your kids, but they turn into teenagers. <laughs> it's closed just a few months. Well, away. <laughs> and we have a lot of milestones to hit with. Like I, I, there's, I feel like there's so many new things like the proclamation happened. And then a couple weeks ago, we went to a family member's funeral Mm. and Alan turned to me and said, um, I don't want my funeral in LDS church. And I was like, wait a minute. If you died tomorrow, like I literally wouldn't know where to have it. (laughs) Just logistically. Logistically. Thank you for bringing that up. Cause I, I have been to these funerals where ex Mormons have, have passed away and their family is just. As, as an ex-Mormon community, we need to do better at getting support for those sort of things. And, and, and it is. Thank, you, yeah. You, you, we all need to express what our desires and wishes are. Right. And, and Alan said, well, what will you bury me in? I'm like, well, your Kershaw Dodger jersey, of course. <laughs> that got the stamp of approval And, and he me. was like, that's oh, perfect. But it was interesting to go through this exercise of, well, what would your wishes be? You know, if, if you die tomorrow, what would your wishes be? And, um, I think people don't talk about it because it might happen. Well, it's going to happen. So you might as well talk about it. But, um, these are, these are just points that, you know, happen every day that you, you think, Oh, that's right. Well, how would we do that? And so it makes for a very interesting (laughs) conversation constantly, but I can see down the road, us hitting milestones with our kids and, and our marriage and as things change that, um, yeah, that just that it'll change. Well, I, I don't want to drag it on forever, but we do need to address kids. So that's one of the yeah. big conflicts. So yeah. it sounds like the kids are still going to the church. Um, 
what what's what's been the resolution there so far that's probably the one the biggest topic that is constant constantly difficult uh and even if you're on the same page it's constantly different right i mean when everything's going great Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so i i think that uh something that we've something that I've really backed down from and my, my brother, ironically that has left the church helped me feel more comfortable with this by profession. He's a marriage and family therapist. And he, he helped, I, I expressed a lot of angst around, you know, the older they get, the more entrenched they're going to be. And the more they're going to look at me and their father as misguided or wicked. And, and whether this is sound advice or this was just something to make me feel better, it worked. But he said, he said, you know, the, the, the younger generations don't think black and white like a lot of the older generations do. I'm probably butchering what he said, but he said, they, your, your kids see how you act. And they, they, you having left when they're pretty young, it's going to be normal for them to have you not there. So when they hit those stages where they're being pushed hard to, to prepare for a mission and, and get into dating and, and all those things, they're they're not going to look at you as the outcast. They'll they'll be more likely to defend you when people try to say that you're the outcast. And I, I don't know what you think about that, John. But when he told me, I was like, it, it helped for some reason. So for me, with if the kids choose to be there, uh, that's that's fine. Currently, I don't. They don't really have a choice, mm. and I don't love that. <laughs> but they go. That's that's the standard. Okay. That's the standard. Uh, but <laughs> let me let me let let's me, go. Let's work through this. This is a, this is this here. is what our podcast is like. Let's let work through it. Let me chime in here because the kids have have a choice. They have never. I mean, our oldest is hard, and he has said to us, "I don't want to go because I'm tired." You know, but we decided that if they if they don't want to go because they're I mean they're saying something that they don't like or it's being hurtful to them, that's one thing. If they just don't want to go because they're being lazy, that's not a good enough excuse, at least for what we've talked about. And to be honest, none of them have said, I don't want to go. Not not one of them. My little kids love primary. And so um, my oldest, who's probably the most um, combative with us, he, he even when he's there, he, he doesn't really say anything and then we'll go home from church and the kids will say huh I wonder what dad made for us for lunch today (laughs) and and so it's it's very like normal in my house right now where we're at um when we get to that point where the kids say hey I don't want to go I want to stay with dad then we can talk about it but they haven't voiced that I really like the way you framed it out and my advice after watching a lot of people struggle with this, even even like as the couples have left the church together, you know, what to do with their kids. I, I've, I've watched a lot of kids being raised, and my advice would be just let the kids be. I was reading recently, and, and research is showing over and over again, it really doesn't matter what you say to your kids. What your kids learn is they learn by just watching you. And the kids are going to learn more by watching the way you guys interact, right. the way you guys are a couple, than whatever you believe about the universe, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go their own way. But I do like that of, of saying, you know, you you don't have to go to church, but it needs to be a conscious decision. Right. Because, you know, they'll come an age at 15 or 16 where you can't make them go. I mean, you can yeah. make them go, but it won't do any good. Right. And they're going to go their own way anyway. Yeah. And, and, and the, you're their parents. I mean, this is something that divorced couples learn, you know, because... 
no matter what happens, one of the couples is not going to have as much time with the kids, one of the members of, of, the, of the split marriage. And that gives a lot of angst for people who want to be there as, as parents. Yeah. It is really devastating if you're a father. It happens to fathers more often than mothers, but it does have mothers. And, and you want to be there for your children, and now you're seeing them every other weekend. Well, the research has shown that if you're there and involved in the kids and they know they care about you, it doesn't damage the relationship. And I think faith-wise, it's, it's the same way, you know, that, that what you're modeling is, hey, we're two adults who love each other and we can believe different things. And you're part of our family, too. You can believe different things and we still love you. Right, right. But I'm, I'm making it sound really easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, no, it's, it's yeah. never, it's not easy, but I, I completely see what you're saying. And one of our good friends who we met through the podcast, you know, shined a light for us on the fact that the chances are your one of your kids at least is going to be in a mixed faith marriage. So right. if you can show them by what you're doing, uh, that, that, that is a, that it can be a very healthy relationship and in fact be a better relationship or uh, that's kind of hard to say cause you, it's certainly difficult, but there are so many blessings and so many, so many, I'm, I'm using all my words from my, uh, my past life, but there's so many, uh, tender mercies. There's so many, <laughs> there, there are so many benefits, uh, that you're forced when you're trying to make this work that you, that you gain, that we've been talking about today and they'll see that and they'll feel that. Um, we talked just a few days ago about, uh, our oldest and when he's older, if he says, I've decided I'm not going on a mission how will that make Katie feel? She, yeah. She'll feel, it'll be devastating. It'll well, be very difficult. I, I don't, I, I, yeah, I think it would be hard because Alan and I both serve missions and I see, I mean, just take like the gospel aside. There are some great things you learn, um, on how to get along, <laughs> how to work hard. There's just a lot of really good, valuable things that you learn from a mission. And, and so if I think about him not going, I think, well, where is he going to learn those things? You well, know? and there are other things. I, and there are other things. I, you know, there's, you know, study abroad and, and, right. and other things where they, they can do. Right. But, but, but it's a little bit like, oh, okay. You don't want to go? Okay. That'll be you in six years. Yeah. You'll be a different person. Right. Totally. Yep. And we recognize that. And I think... Um, we try to set up our kids so that they know that our agency, because we have agency, we get to decide. And, you know, we've talked to the kids about, well, Alan likes to watch horror movies and I hate them. Well, who's right in this situation? And it was our six-year-old who said, well, neither of you are right. It's your opinion. <laughs> and and that, but that's a valuable thing to have them learn early on because then they know that you can still have an opinion about something. It's not a, he's right, I'm wrong. As long as it's something that doesn't hurt you or someone else, you know, and you have that opinion, oh, well, I think it's okay to watch a rated R movie. Well, then, you know, we can talk about other consequences with that, but it is your opinion. And so we're trying to frame that in our kids right now so that, they can see us making different decisions, going to church, not going to church, but knowing that that's okay. Yeah, um, my my stepchildren, um, when when uh, when Kimmy and I first got together, they still went to church, both of them, mm -hmm. and I I never like held my opinion back, nor did I like pound an eleven year old with with like the depths of faith. Right. But but so so if they didn't want to go to church, they didn't have to go to church. But if, if they had young women's or young men's, I was happy to drive them. Like, you know, yeah. I, I yeah. 
And I think that they were able to process things at their own speed. And I think it's made them better people for that than if, if I'd forced them right. either one way or the other. Yeah. The, the <laughs> one fun, funny thing, and I, I'm sure a lot of people experience this before my whole crisis, uh, we, we weren't great about holding family home evening. And now we are <laughs> so fervent in holding our family yeah. evenings because it's been another avenue for us to together decide, like, what are we going to teach the kids? Is this like ex-Mormons in conference? Like, nobody pays attention <laughs> to conference like ex-Mormons do? That's oh, right. That's, right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's very, very true. I think it's for a little slightly different reasons. But, <laughs> like, on, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we watched the I Have a Dream speech. Uh-huh. And then we, on a, on a whiteboard, we wrote down what makes someone good. And it, on one side, it was these things make someone good and these things just don't matter. And on the, on the don't matter, it was color of your skin. It was what you believe. Tattoos. It was tattoos. <laughs> it was a lot of the, a lot of the things that, uh, if you had the same question being asked in, in a Sunday school, you may not get the same list. So it, it's, it's very fascinating to, to kind of be in control with, with where I'm at. Right to talk together and kind of pre-plan, okay, we're going to talk about this. So how are we going to navigate it? I think the key with that is intentional. We are very intentional with what we teach the children and neither of us go behind each other's back to talk to them. Like, Oh, your dad says this, but I believe this, whatever we do, we do it together and we sit down together because we want to provide a united front. And it may be that we disagree about it and we tell them that we disagree about it, but at least they know that we're both showing up. And we're being intentional with them and what we teach them. Great. Anyway. Well, it's been great talking to you guys. I think last thing, I'll let you go first, Alan, because I sure. want you to bat room, clean up. Advice. Couples out there, tr- one's gone through a faith crisis, they're trying to make it work. What's your advice? Don't boil the ocean. Mm. Uh, you, you don't have to figure everything out. And that's that's been said a few times tonight, that yeah, you, you can take things just a day at a time. Don't try to fix everything. I like how you put it, John. You don't have to get to your destination. Uh, it's, it really is in the journey. And you're going to miss a lot if you're trying to rush through things uh, or if you, you're either going to miss a lot of, of good things or you're also going to cause some damage. When we got some, uh, some, an email from a family member that was just, I mean, suggesting that maybe Katie should leave me the, the natural reaction for someone in my position may be, I am calling them. We are never talking to them ever again, (laughs) but instead I knew because of where we were at with me and Katie were at that it, that wasn't even an option. We, we, that was off the table. So how we responded was going to not affect our relationship as a as a married couple, it was going to affect our relationship with this family member. What do we want? Do we want this family member in our life? Yes, of course we do. So let's be really careful about how we respond here. And me saying that to Katie when she showed me the email, because it wasn't sent to me, of course, that was a big moment for us too. And so that's just one example of just be thoughtful, take your time. If you're in the depths of hurt and anger, you are in every right to feel that way. It will it will go by the wayside and at least be easier to control over time. Yeah, so true. Um, I would say something that I really needed that I didn't have was a cheerleader. So 
if if you have someone that you can confide in or you can talk to that could just be um, support to someone to listen to, get get just have one person on your side. And that's not necessarily um, giving you bad advice, but is there to listen to some of your frustration and um, some of the anger that will eventually come out because uh, everyone needs just somebody to talk to. And, you know, you see that with the couples we talk to that, you know, sometimes these dinners are a volcano and they haven't told a single person and we're the first people that they're talking to about it. And so I really learned that um, either side, wherever you are, have have a person in your corner that you can you can go to and um don't be afraid to seek out um counseling for yourself or as a couple because uh, a lot of times those lines of communication are severed and um you can it's easy for someone else to talk about it because you're not emotionally attached to that person but when it's with your spouse it's a different story and sometimes you just need um an objective eye to to go through and help you and and i feel like um that if you don't have good communication lines uh that's probably something that should be on the top of the list which um it takes time and money but um it's worth it great advice and there are a lot of good therapists in salt lake and everywhere who are used to dealing with mixed faith um mm-hmm. if if you're not in a, in a in a predominantly mormon thing um you can find um especially um jewish counselors are especially ones who've dealt with orthodox jews are very used to dealing with the the, the belief non-belief segment in the culture mm-hmm. so there's a lot of folks out there who are who, who are versed in dealing with these sorts of things and um, if you need help finding a therapist, um, if you're if you're in the Greater Salt Lake area, you can contact um, you can contact me. Uh, my my email is John Larson at sunstone.org, and I'll, I'll refer you to somebody. Heck, if you contact any of these organizations, uh, contact information for you too. Marriage on a tightrope at gmail.com. And again, give us your all your all your social media presence. <laughs> Um, well, we're just on Instagram at Marriage on a Tightrope, but Alan runs our Facebook account, which is also Marriage on a Tightrope. Yeah. And uh, you can go to mormondiscussionpodcast.org to find us. Um, or subscribe or via subscribe. the podcast app of your choice. Right. Well, fantastic. I look forward to, to hearing from you in the future and seeing how things are going. You know, it's a life is a journey. So thank you so much for sharing it and, 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 and modeling that, uh, you know, there are ways that we can, we can get through all this. Thanks again, everybody, for listening.